Woke up quick at about noon. And a very good day to each and every single one of you. Welcome into the Tuesday, June 9th edition of the podcast with Damien Barling, presented by Vibe Health Bar, but they got locations in East Sacramento, Oak Park, and Folsom. They're available on your favorite delivery app. They got the best superfood smoothies, acai bowls, and organic cold pressed juices in all of the city. And man, this is wild. I've been, I, I spent a lot of time, you know, as I was getting ready for uh, the show last night and a little bit this morning. I was going back and forth, and I and, and I think I'm gonna you know start on on something kind of radical here, man. It's it's kind of different. Uh, I hope it doesn't turn anybody off. I hope it doesn't turn anybody away. But I think I'm gonna start with basketball today. I know, I know it's crazy because I could talk about Roger Goodell and be on the F Roger Goodell tip. I could talk about what Carlos Hyde said about Colin Kaepernick and assigning for him. We could do all that, but man, you know, you know, it'd be really crazy. You know, it'd be really different after the last. You know, six, seven shows or something like that. What if I started talking about the Sacramento Kings and not not their broadcaster, not racially insensitive remarks, but, you know, the actual basketball team that's going to be gathering up here in a couple of weeks at the Golden One Center and running a little mini camp before they go to Orlando and realistically have a decent shot to make the playoffs? I mean, I, why not? It's a fine shot. And I, sh- I started, I, obviously I'm being incredibly sarcastic uh, when I say I'm doing something radical here by starting the show with basketball, but I spent a great deal of time yesterday actually reading about basketball. And I haven't, I haven't, I don't, I don't feel like I've spent a lot of time reading about like sports in terms of, I've read a whole lot about Major League Baseball falling all over itself. I've read a whole lot about how basketball is going to handle, uh, you know, COVID-19, how they're going to handle their return to the court. We've talked about college football, what they might do and what different states are doing and what the NFL plans to do. And I thought, man, wouldn't it be cool to just talk about something that might actually happen on the floor? Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't it be fun to, you know, kind of go back to that moment and, you know, not to dismiss all of the other things that are going on in the country. There's a time and place. And, you know, I, I have some thoughts. Carlos Hyde said something about a Colin Kaepernick signing that, that we can get to later on in the show. But it was, wouldn't it just kind of be nice just for a couple of minutes to dig into what we actually love about it? And whether you're a Sacramento Kings fan or not, I think we love sports. And we love, you know, whether we, we're, we're talking about our favorite team, if you're one of those you know, if you're a Laker fan or you're a Clippers fan or you're a team of or you're a fan of team, you know, uh, some random team in the league. Uh, if you're a fan of one of these 22 teams that are going back to play, you're probably pretty excited. Uh, even if you're a fan of, you know, like, like Portland, maybe you're not a, a, a excited if you're a fan of the Spurs. Uh, the Spurs have announced uh, LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, he had a surgery on his right shoulder and he's he's not going to play in these 22 games. Uh, the surgery was performed on April 24th. Uh, he, I guess he tore part of his shoulder in February in a game against Utah. Uh, he missed, uh, he, he played in the, the, the next Spurs game, but then he missed six after that. And uh, I think the idea is like, okay, we don't know when or if we're coming back. Uh, even if we do, probably not a legitimate shot at the championship. A lot of streaks, you know, that's a, that's a streak that, I, you know, a lot of people have asked if the King, you know, has the Kings playoff streak come to an end because of their one of the, one of the 22 teams. And it's like, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't count it as that. I wouldn't say their playoff streak ended because they're one of the 22 teams. And 
But if they if they win the playing game and they're you know one of the eight teams, even in an abbreviated season, I think I think you can call that you know breaking the you know the playoff drought. Uh, the Spurs, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna not win fifty games for the first time in a long time, and they're gonna miss the playoffs for the first time in like twenty-one years. So that's a, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty big note. Uh, the Spurs missing the playoffs, uh, but we, you, you know, you've got the Pelicans there. You know, of course, it what's been funny in all of this for me as we've talked about that that final spot in the playoffs is. We have all just casually dismissed Memphis. Like Memphis all of a sudden, like, yeah, Memphis wasn't going to make it. They were going to blow it. And I was like, oh, but why? Like, why, why is everybody under that perception? Like, what's, what, what's wrong with Memphis? I mean, I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're 32 and 33. They, they, you know, they certainly have a better record than, than, than the Kings do. They have a better record than the Pelicans do. Um, they have a better record than, than, than the Blazers do. I think part of it was, uh, at the time of the shutdown, it was, okay, it looks like they're faltering a little bit. At the time of the shutdown, there was a belief that, okay, the Blazers, they might get healthy with enough time to run, with enough time to make a run. The Blazers hadn't made a run all year. I didn't believe it was coming. I thought at some point, you know, during last season, I thought at some point, okay, it's happening. Like, they're, they're, they're going to make a run. It's just going to be, like, to what degree – is this run going to happen? And is it going to be, you know, are we talking six straight games, seven straight games? Are we talking about potentially going like 11 and one, 10 and two, something like that? It never happened. So I started to like, there was, there was a point last year where I just kind of started to dismiss the Blazers. And, and this actually the same thing happened with the Spurs. I expected the big run to come from the Spurs and it never really came. As far actually, in, in the Blazers, they had that moment. Remember where Dame Lillard was playing like out of his mind. He, I mean, he was just playing in, in, incredible, and it didn't like it. It didn't even it barely moved him up to up the standings. Uh, it 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 was virtually inconsequential. Dame Lillard was playing great at home this year too. He was averaging almost thirty two points per game at home this year. Well, these games aren't in Portland. You know, these games are in Lando, Orlando. That doesn't mean that I, I think Dame Lillard's going to stink. It just means if that was an advantage that they had, you know, that advantage, or if that was a, an advantage that he had, if that was a comfort he had, that comfort uh, isn't there anymore. The Pelicans were a team that we expected to, okay, you know, that's, you know they're probably, they're, they're, it's just kind of what level, like are they able to tread water until Zion returns, and they were. They were able to tread water mostly because the Western Conference was bad. And because the Western Conference was so bad, and because teams like the Blazers were probably worse than people expected, and because the you know, the San Antonio Spurs were worse than people expected, uh, Minnesota is just incapable of taking that next step. And unfortunately, it felt like the same with Sacramento as well. They were un, you know, uh, incapable of taking that next step. They were able to linger around long enough to where, okay, Zion's back. Come win a couple games, and they're right back in the conversation. And you know they're they're three and a half right. They're three and a half back right now. They've got to have some optimism. Their schedule was actually, their schedule was really really favorable. When you talk about the Spurs, the Kings, and and the um, and the Blazers, and you know 
I'm I'm gonna go ahead and leave Monty Williams crew out of this. I I like Monty Williams a lot, but I'm gonna go ahead and leave Phoenix out of this. I don't think Phoenix has a legitimate shot to do anything here. I guess, I guess you know we should cover them for you know, just to be thorough here in our conversation. But you look at the schedule that the Pelicans had, and it was oh okay they've they've got the Grizzlies a couple of times. It was a relatively and I, you know I hate looking at the schedule and. You know, because it, as a Kings fan, when you look at the schedule, it bites you in the ass so many times when you say, oh, but they've got this coming up and this coming up and this coming up, and they wind up losing like all three of those games. But then they wind up beating, you know, the Bucks in the process or some absurd thing happens in that schedule. So I always hate the idea of saying, well, you know, the Pelicans, they had an easy schedule. They had a light schedule coming up. With, you know, taking all of that out of the equation, they had the Grizzlies. They had the Grizzlies twice. In addition to that, you know, game that we never got to see against the Sacramento Kings. Those were really, really big games for the Pelicans because there's a moment there against the Kings in Sacramento where they could have, you know, kind of, you know, you wouldn't have put your, your, your foot on the throat of the Kings, but you would have been able to say, hey, look what we got here. We've got, we've, we've, we've beaten a team that is in, you know, contention for this spot, just like we are. And now we're going to walk into the Memphis Grizzlies house and we're going to beat them too. They probably would have had to have won both games against Memphis, but again, their schedule was, if you believe in this stuff was relatively, it was favorable. Let's say that it's favorable. Derek favors has been where very good for them. I thought Lonzo ball and Brandon Ingram uh, had been very, very good for them. And, this is a team I'd I'd watch the Pelicans in these in 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 these eight games. I'd watch the Pelicans as a team that 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 could really push Memphis if Memphis you know because it doesn't require I, I mean what's the the playing rule three, like three games back right? So if the Pelicans and the Kings or you know the Pelicans or the Kings or whoever are are three games back. From Memphis, that that playing game happens, and the ninth seed has to beat the eighth seed twice. So I, I think it's doable. I think it's doable for a team like Memphis. And honestly, I I've tried to convince myself that I'm wrong on this, but you know we've saw so many different versions of the Sacramento Kings this year. The last version we saw, they were playing pretty good. I think they were seven and three since the all-star break, you know, their overall record, you know, since, since the, uh, the buddy healed to the bench, Bogdan Bogdanovich to the starting lineup switch had gotten better. That kind of coincided with De'Aaron Fox getting, you know, healthier. It wasn't terribly long after that, that Rashawn Holmes made his way back into the lineup. Rashawn Holmes, specifically Rashawn Holmes returned from injury uh, Marvin Bagley still wasn't around. So there was there, there was a, enough there to where it was like, oh, okay, but now, you know, it, but you look you look back at the, you know, other portions of the season. So that's the that's the recent history, right? That's why our hearts are so warm and fuzzy thinking, well, maybe like maybe this could happen this year. Maybe they could break the playoff drop. Maybe they could at least get into the play-in game. Maybe 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 they could beat the Grizzlies twice. And, 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 and secure the eighth spot in the playoffs and go on to take on the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, rekindle that rivalry. That'd be, oh, that'd be great. 
Because we remember, 7-3 and three since the All-Star break. We, we were the fourth best record in the NBA. There was a stretch during the post-All-Star time that the teams with the best records in the NBA since the All-Star break, and they, they, were, they were tied for the top. It was the Lakers, it was the Bucks, and it was the Sacramento Kings. I believe at that time, all three teams were 6-1. and one. But there is another part of the season and it's like the it's the dark part of the season that we don't want to acknowledge. You know they lost 5 games in a row. They've had streaks of they've had losing streaks of 5 games, 8 games, and 6 games. That's phenomenal. This team think about that again. The Kings have losing streaks of 5 Six and eight. And I guess that's where you commend them like, wow. They had those long losing streaks this year and they still managed to be in a position uh, to be, you know, close enough to be invited uh, to, to, to finish or sort of finish the regular season. And they have an opportunity, you know, even if the season had been played in full, they would have had an opportunity, you know, to at least make a run at the playoffs. That game against Memphis was such a defining moment, or sorry, that game against New Orleans would have been such a defining moment for both teams. That was a that, that, that was a game that both teams just desperately needed to win. Not just not just for position in the standings, but like for for the alpha male moment. Like, okay. People think you're going to make the run because you've got that, you know, you've got the new hotness over there with the rookie and all of that. Well, guess what? Mm-mm. We've battled, we've battled the whole second part of the season to get back to this position. We are, we're not going to lose it to you. Like those were, those were, those were two really big moments for for the Kings and 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 the Pelicans. And the Kings do do they they do deserve some, they deserve a lot of credit. I mean. Dude, they stunk. I mean, sitting through that eight-game losing streak in December was just like, you. It, it legit felt like this team was never going to win another basketball game ever. Ever, ever, ever. And then like a month later was when they lost six games. It was like, what, you know, what are we doing here? Like, what, this team, they just can't, like, they just can't figure out who or what they are. And that brings up, a couple of other questions that are worth talking about. Like we heard Luke Walton, or maybe we didn't hear Luke Walton, but we talked about what Luke Walton had to say earlier during our quarantine time. And I believe he talked to to Sam Amick about you know some some momentum that the team had, and 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 how he felt about you know De'Aaron and Buddy. He was quick to praise Buddy, and obviously the 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 switch with Bogdan Bogdanovich there in the starting lineup that we just referenced, and and going to the bench, and of course Harrison Barnes has kind of been the the glue that has held all of this together, and you know the wild card is Marvin Bagley because there's a couple of things to think about. Now people have said, well, Marvin Bagley's healthy. Like, what do you do with him? Like, like, how does this work? How does this work with Marvin Bagley? Is he a starter? Is he a bench player? Remember the Kings stunk. If I recall, I can't remember the exact number, but I remember it is something astonishing. Like they're, maybe they've won one game with with Marvin Bagley in the lineup. It, it, 
maybe it's zero, but I think it's one. It's some absurd stat that you look at and you go, wait, what? Like they just have not won games with him in the lineup. And you could argue, well, maybe he wasn't healthy. Maybe he wasn't ready to play. It was like, okay, he barely played this year. He dealt with injury after injury after injury. So assuming he's able to play, what do you do with him? Now, the other note is, okay, well, what if he's not ready to play? If he's not ready to play, then the Kings have a whole other issue they got to deal with. Because we always believed, or not always believed, but we started to believe that perhaps, maybe the, maybe we're, we weren't getting an honest assessment about what was going on with, with Marvin Bagley. Maybe he, he has an injury that maybe they're framing what the actual injury is as something else. Uh, but they're 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 seeing. I I I was under the assumption, had the eighty-two game regular season played out the way it would in you know our normal life, that Bagley wouldn't have returned. It kind of got to a point where it's just like the way that they're playing, and the way that he played when he was in the lineup. There's just no point. Like don't don't bring him back. Don't put don't put that pressure on him. And don't put that, I mean, honestly, that puts pressure on the rest of the Kings as well. Don't make them try to work him in to the lineup. And I think his best game that he played all year, he only played 13 of them. I think the best game that he had all year was, I think it was, it ultimately wound up being his last one. I remember he had, you know, he had double digit, I think I, th- I think he had near 20 points. I think he had double digit rebounds. Like he, It was a game where you look at it and you go, oh, all right, okay. Can we see something here? But ultimately, it, it, it was like, oh, Bagley's out of the lineup with a, a foot injury. Like, all right. Oh, he's out of the lineup again? Like, oh, no big deal. And then, you know, games turned into, like, weeks. It's like, oh. Okay, so we really got a problem here. And, you know, here we are. <laughs> it's going to be, I, I, I guess, June June 30th, if I remember correctly, is when, when, when the, uh, the first practice in Sacramento can happen, like the first team practice can happen in Sacramento. I, he's got to be ready to play, right? And if he is, what do you do? How do you navigate this if you're, if you're Luke Walton? How do you, you know, navigate the fact that he's a number two overall pick and, you know, nearly two complete seasons in, he's... I don't think he was a disappointment in season number one. I think he he played the role that Dave Yeager had him play. And we can choose to agree whether that was the right role or disagree if it was the right role. Like I I, I think a lot of us are in agreement that he probably should have been doing a lot more his first year. But well, that's not the that's not what Dave does with rookies. Like, all right, okay, so the second year gets here and. Uh, it's not quite what we'd hoped. And then you've got, you know, he gets injured in game number one against DeAndre eight. And then he comes back and it just amounts to nothing. And then he gets injured again. And then the Kings like go on a little bit of a run. And, and, and of course, all of this is magnified by the emergence of Rashawn Holmes. You know, Rashawn Holmes has been absolutely, you know, he was a, uh, he was a bright spot through the Kings season, even, you know, as the Kings are dealing with, you know, six games losing streaks, five game losing streaks, eight game losing streaks. Rashawn Holmes was the guy who you looked at and you looked forward to and you go, oh man, I love this guy. Like we Kings managed to sign him for, you know, for, for nothing. Gosh, it seems like we, it seems like we got something here, man. This is a good one. This is, this is one we're happy with. This is one we're, 
We like this. We're proud of this. This is Rashawn Holmes exemplifies everything that Kings fans love about players. He's like Quincy AC and Bobby Jackson rolled into one, and you can like chuckle at that, but try to think of a couple of more popular role players in the history of this franchise. You know, Doug Christie, the same thing. Like he, he, he is all of those characteristics that Kings fans love so much about the players that they choose to just, you know, relentlessly cheer. And he wound up missing time. But he's back and he's playing, you know, he, he, he's back. He, he, I felt like he found his form. I, th- I thought he found his form relatively quickly. And so, like, that's one, okay, I, I don't worry about him. I don't worry about him at all. I just wonder, like, what is his place when he comes back? Because what is it that they do with, what is it that they do with Marvin Bagley? And my feeling, and I don't know, like, the, again, this is, un, this is uncharted waters. You know, this is something that we haven't seen before. And you're not going to find a lot of people who are rooting for the Sacramento, Sacramento Kings here. They're rooting for a potential, like imagine, you know, a potential after all that we've been through in terms of missing basketball, of course. And, and please understand when I, when I talk about what I'm, I'm talking about in the realm of basketball, you know, we're here, we're healthy. And in comparison to, you know, COVID-19 and, and, and you know, the, the, some of the racial charged uh, crisis is going on in this country. I'm just talking about in the realm of sports, what we've been through in terms of the absence of basketball. Media people are going to be rooting for Zion versus LeBron. Oh, it's just a perfect. It's got to be how the playoffs start. Could you just imagine after shutting down the season for X amount of time and we get we get LeBron James versus Zion Williamson? Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it's cool as an NBA fan. That's that's great for sure. There's also, you know, there's going to be people, I want to see Dame Lillard. I want to see Dame work that match again. The point I'm getting at is no one's going to go, you know what I'd really like to see? Damn it, I'd like to see that Buddy Heald and and De'Aaron Fox against LeBron James. No, Unfortunately, no one's going to say that. They want to see the playoff or play-in game come down to the Blazers and or or come down to to the Grizzlies, the Blazers, and the Pelicans. And because I think, I think there's a, I don't even know that people really want to see the Grizzlies. I think people really like Ja Morant. And when I say people, I mean media. I like Ja Morant. I think he's, 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 he's phenomenal. Uh, I should be more clear. I think media people like Ja Morant, but they really would rather cover a series that has Dame Lillard in it. That has Dame Lillard, CJ McCollum, Terry Stotts. They'd rather have those guys in that position. Or if not, you got. You know, you've got Alvin Gentry as the leader there. And then, of course, you've got the dynamic, oh, the storylines, if it's the Pelicans versus the Lakers, the storylines of Brandon Ingram and, 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 and Lonzo Ball and the Anthony Davis trade and the acquisition of Zion Williamson. And the, it's the, you know, the current king, the big dog against the guy we've anointed to be, you know, the, 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 the next big thing to steal a, early 2000s Paul Heyman phrase. Oh, the media will just, oh, they'll be slobbering all over that. Let's make this happen. Hey, and I admit, as a basketball fan, that is 100% intriguing. 
I'm absolutely down for that. But not at the expense of the Kings. I think the Kings have a team. I, 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 I realize you can't buy into anything that they do because they constantly disappoint you, and that's kind of the frustrating thing. When I look at, and maybe, it's, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm guilty of what I accuse others of doing. Maybe I'm too close to the situation. But when I look at it, I see De'Aaron Fox, and I know what he is as an NBA player, not just as a Sacramento King, but as a player in the NBA. And I can look at De'Aaron, and I can, I can recognize him in the same category as Ja Morant. And truthfully, I can recognize him in the same category as you know upper echelon. I think he's making his way into the upper echelon point, point guards. Maybe he's not there with Chris Paul yet. Maybe he's not there with Russell Westbrook yet. Maybe that has a lot to do with the uh, the... I don't know, lack of growth with the team. Maybe it's because the, the, the Kings remain kind of a, a, a team that's not that's not good, quite honestly. I mean, they, they just remain a team that's you know below where some of these other teams are, and that's why he can't kind of break through that ceiling. But as an individual player, man, he's good. It's one of the main reasons. I, it, it, it Not one of the main reasons. It was the main reason I was so disappointed he dropped out of USA Basketball. I understand why he dropped out of USA Basketball. I understand why everybody dropped out of USA Basketball. They were in a virtual no-win situation when it comes to playing on that team. But I did want to see De'Aaron play with, you know, some of the other top-tier, or some of those guys were more second-tier players. You know, very good players in terms of, like, Tatum and Brown and all of those Celtics that were on the team and some of the other guys. Like, they're all very, very good players. I would have liked to have seen De'Aaron play with them because I believe he belongs in that same category. You know, Buddy's a unique one for me. I don't, I don't, I, I don't think as highly of Buddy healed as, as everybody is. I think Buddy is a fantastic shooter. And this is a conversation, if you're new to the podcast, that we've had on numerous occasions, whether it's on this podcast or a Sacramento Kings podcast, that there's a difference between a scorer and a shooter. And Buddy is not a scorer. Buddy cannot create for himself, and it's all hell when Buddy tries to create for himself. But he's a phenomenal shooter. And if you put him in a position where he's almost in the Clay Thompson role, get Buddy in a position where he doesn't have to, sh- he doesn't have to dribble much, and he's, he's going to be buckets for you. He's going to be money. So, and he does that very effectively. But sometimes he wants to do more, and sometimes the Kings ask him to do more. I think that's a problem with him. Bogey is solid. Bogey's an all-around guy. There's going to be, uh, yeah, he's an all-around guy. He's an all-around good player. And I think there's a, you know, there's going to be a difficult conversation that we've got to have here, you know, probably you, whenever the King season comes to an end, and assuming it doesn't end in October, you know, we're going to have to have this conversation before free agency. We're going to have to have this conversation when the King season wrap up that at some point during this playoff, I think the NBA is going to announce, you know, because the window between, the end of the finals, the start of free agency, the draft, all that stuff. It's very, very small. It's, it's, a, it's just a matter of days. We've got to have a grasp of what the salary cap is. Adam Silver has already put out like, hey, salary cap's going to be lower. He said it on, you know, conference calls with his team. He said it, you know, in, in, in media outings. Like, we've, we're, we're going to have to recoup these losses somehow, and, and, and that's going to ultimately wind up like we've brought in less money, that, which means – you know, less of this. There's going to be less money for the players. Like when when the league makes less money, there's less money for the players. When there's less money for the players, that means the salary cap gets lowered. 
that means that big contract De'Aaron Fox is going to sign, it's not going to be as big as it was if he had uh, signed it last season. It's, it's, it's going to be lower. And, you know, if we're talking, I mean, we're talking a number that has been speculated at like 30 million lower. That is a very substantial dollar figure to take off of what a team can spend. And the, you know, the, the good news for the Kings is that's not the Sacramento Kings salary cap being lowered. That's the salary cap being lowered league wide. So every team who had aspirations of offering Bogdan Bogdanovich some sort of, you know, big money salary, they, they've probably got to reconsider this as well. They've got to figure this out. Harrison Barnes, again, solid, been the glue that has held, you know, this, 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 this unit together for, for virtually the, you know, the entire season. He's had, you know, great offensive moments. Uh, he's had not so great offensive moments, but he's never been a guy where you look at and you go, now Harrison Barnes cost us the game. He's just not that kind of player, and he's just not that. He's just not that. He's not going to cost you a game. Uh, sometimes you would like more from him. Uh, sometimes he, you know, he 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 gives you a stuff stat sheet, uh, but he's not going to cost you a game, even if he's one of eleven. And I think we've seen games where he's done he's done that. Uh, he's had a big impact on the defensive side of the ball. Or, you know, he does those intangible things that aren't really measured. Those things that Rashawn Holmes is also so, so great at. So get ready to hear a lot of cheerleading for a potential Pelicans-Lakers matchup. And those storylines are juicy. And if I can't get the Kings, absolutely. If I can't get the Kings versus the Lakers, absolutely. Give me the Pelicans versus the Lakers. Just because of the storyline. The storylines are fun. That'll give us a ton to talk about. You know, what does Brandon Ingram say headed into the series? What does Lonzo Ball headed uh, say headed into the series? Do they got to share a hotel? I mean, because because it's not like there's 22 hotels. Like, and, and, and I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I'm, I'm being serious. Like, teams are going to have to share hotels, right? Like, that's just the only way it could be. But do they avoid? Like, what happens? Like, do they do do teams move as? as teams get eliminated because you like, like what if, what if the, the, you know, what if the Lakers and Bucks are sharing a hotel right now and then they wind up playing in the NBA finals? Are they splitting hotels in uh, a way to where, okay, we don't think this is a matchup that's going to happen. So let's put, let's put the Kings in a hotel with the Bucks and let's put them in with, I don't know, maybe the, 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 the Suns, in you know some other team, the Magic. I'm that process, that behind the scenes process of divvying out the hotels is fascinating to me also. Because if, if from from what I understand, that's what's happening is there's there's like three to four teams that are sharing hotels, and I the, you know the dichotomy of that I, I think is interesting. They're going to have their own, uh, like they don't have to, like they have their own. I don't, I don't know if it's that they have their own chefs or they have their their own like facilities in which they can eat. Like each team has their own. Faci- so it's not like you're gonna. It's it's not like the it's not like the Marriott where you're going down to the Continental Breakfast or whatever and you're getting your pancakes and sausage and bacon and you know Dame Lillard's down there trying to eat his you know scrambled eggs and here comes you know Zion Williamson with you know a big stack of pancakes like that. That's not going to be how this plays out. Um, but it is funny to think about. So we're just, 
You know, I, I, I thought it would, I, I, I really dove into the NBA last night as I was preparing for the show and just looking at different things that were out there. And, you know, the, the drug test was something that people were joking about all over social media yesterday. The fact that the, the NBA, you know, they'll do performance enhancing drug testing as they always do, but they won't do any recreational uh, drug testing. And I think there's just a belief that these dudes are going to be trapped in Orlando. You need to go ahead and let them do their thing. And, uh, I'm that there's, there's a good question. How are they going to navigate that? Like, is it just a bunch of guys who like, like they just go out for a smoke break together? Just a, it's not a cigarette smoke break. Like, cause you can't, you're not going to smoke in your room, right? You're not going to do that. Or are you? I don't know. Bring edibles with you. Right. I mean, Edible, like I, I've, I've never, like I've, I've only recently. This is one hundred percent truth. Only in the last year, little over a year, started to experiment with THC, and I tried smoking it, and I tried um, edibles. Edibles are where it's at for me, man. Give me like some, some like, uh, some pieces of dark chocolate, dude. I'm good. That I, that that puts me in a state where I am. My mind settles. My mind chills. I'm fully functional. Like I lo- I tried smoking. I didn't. I, I don't even think it worked for me. Didn't even didn't even hit the spot. I, and I know some people just like the act of smoking. Just just like the movement of it, the the process of it. It I never really liked it. And I in fact I don't like it at all. I'm a I'm an edibles guy. I, I wonder I wonder what the ratio. And those NBA hotels are in Orlando of edibles to smokables or whatever you call it. Another, uh, that'd be another fascinating study as the NBA season slash playoffs are set to begin here uh, pretty soon. We already mentioned the news about LaMarcus Aldridge. I don't know if the Spurs are just, I feel like this, I feel like if you ask the Spurs, if you ask Greg Popovich, like, hey, we're going to leave it up to you, pal. You want to go to Orlando or not? I feel like Pop would be like, no, man, I don't want to go to Orlando. My players don't want to go to Orlando. We know what's up, man. Leave us alone. Let us let us do a, a mini camp in a couple months or something like that. We don't want to go. I feel like if you just, if you hit Pop with some true serum, I think there are teams that are excited to go. I don't think the Spurs are one of them. I think the Blazers are one. Even though the Blazers voted against the proposal, they believed that there were better proposals out there. There were better things that could have been done. Um, I think part of the thing that the Blazers really wanted was like the the seating realignment. They wanted a one through sixteen rather than two sets of one through eight, which I I hate that, especially on such short notice. I I hate that idea. I actually don't like the idea. Period. Like don't, I don't feel there's any need for that. I know it's a popular topic every couple of years. I really don't feel there's a need to to realign everything and do one through sixteen. Uh, but I, th- I, I, th- I think teams like I think the Blazers are excited to be there because I think the Blazers feel like they have a chance to, you know, to grab that spot from the Memphis Grizzlies, and I think the Grizzlies are excited. They're like, look, everybody's they're counting us out. I mean, the seven seeds, the top two seven seeds, they're locked in in both the Eastern and the Western Conference. The Wizards, mathematically, they could catch Orlando. I, I don't think that they do, but mathematically, they absolutely can. But the Blazers, I think, are excited to be there. I, I think the Kings are excited to be there. I think the Kings are excited to get back to basketball. Um, I think the Pelicans are as well. 
I'm, I'm not confident that the, uh, I don't think that, I don't know what the Suns are. Maybe the Suns are excited. I'm not sure. But I, they're another one of those teams where it's like, okay, what, are, what, what, what real opportunity do you have here? And maybe they feel like, hey, we've, we've only got a little ground to make up. And with, you know, not half, we don't have to make up three and a half or four and a half games anymore. We, we really need to make up like one and a half or two. And we need to make a dent. And, you know, we need to kind of get the Kings out of the picture and the Pelicans out of the picture. And we need to get these other teams out of the picture. I don't think this is it for, for the Suns. Uh, I don't know how excited Monty Williams is you know, to be there. But I think the three other Western Conference teams are excited. And, and Monty Williams is such a competitor. Maybe he is. Maybe he's like, yo, we'll step out. We're going to get the job done. We're good. Let's roll. Uh, another place uh, we're going to get the job done here. That was a terrible segue. Sorry. I always try to do a cute little segue. I just, I, 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 that, was a, that was a big mess on my part. Uh, coming up later today on Patreon, you can catch a new episode of Be Conscious featuring Monet Montgomery. Renee is a NCAA champion at the University of Connecticut. She's a two-time NBA champion. But more important to our conversation on Be Conscious, she was a part of the Minnesota Lynx in 2016 uh, when they wore shirts saying Black Lives Matter, a change starts with us, and the names Philando Castile and Alton Sterling on them. This was two months, by the way. The Minnesota Lynx wore those shirts on court two months before Colin Kaepernick sat on the bench in those preseason games for the San Francisco 49ers. She was also an eyewitness uh, to the riots in Atlanta and a participator in the protest in Atlanta as well this past weekend. So we will talk to her uh, about a variety of topics. Of course, we'll have part of that conversation here for you tomorrow on the podcast, but the entire conversation uh, will be available uh, on Patreon if you're not yet a subscriber. And, And before I throw my pitch out to you, if you're not a subscriber yet, thank you to everybody who has signed up. A lot of people, more people than I could count, more people than I ever would have imagined have signed up for the tier because the way Patreon works is there's multiple tiers. Uh, there's a $4 tier in which it's it's just your support. There's nothing else. It's just, hey, thanks for the show. I believe in your work. Here's $4, and it's it's freaking awesome. There's the $7 tier, which gets you, you know, the Be Conscious podcast. that gets you uh, access to, you know, the archive of the Be Conscious podcast. Then you've got the relive tier, which gets you uh, the early episode. In addition to getting you be conscious in the in in, in the archive of, of that podcast, it also gets you uh, episodes of relive early. As a matter of fact, this week I'm going to post the fourth episode, which is a journey to WrestleMania 30 and the journey of Daniel Bryan. Uh, it's another episode that I that I really really like and I'm really into. Uh, so I'm going to post that this week for you. I also post a weekly wrestling podcast. We'll go into more depth in my thoughts on NXT TakeOver when we post that podcast here uh, this week. And then there's the the top tier, which is just the the ultimate support, and it's absolutely the insane tier. That's $29.99, and I priced it super high for a reason uh, because that includes uh, everything you hear there. Uh, it also includes a more than a podcast T-shirt, uh, which we had created. It also includes uh, post-game shows for each uh, Sacramento Kings game. Uh, so that's available, again, over on Patreon. But the number of people who have signed up for the $4 tier to just show their love and show their support is absolutely amazing. And no matter what tier you have signed up for, just know I greatly appreciate it. There has been tremendous growth in the Patreon account over the course of the last week and a half, and your support absolutely means everything to me, and I really I cannot thank you enough because we are building a business here. 
We are building our own media company in Sacramento here. We are doing this together, and I am so thankful for each and every single one of you who have uh, subscribed regardless of the tier. So thank you for that. And again, a new episode of Be Conscious will post later on today. I feel like Major League Baseball is just one long episode of unconscious. They just they can't figure it out. Uh, they proposed, they, pronouns, pal, Major League Baseball. They sent an updated proposal, despite the fact, by the way, they said they were no longer going to actively send counterproposals to Major League Baseball. That was obviously some stupid negotiating technique that fell flat on its face as they have gone back to the negotiating table and they sent them an updated proposal for the 2020 season that includes a 76-game season with players getting 75% of their prorated salaries uh, it includes eliminating draft pick compensation for free agents uh, for a year and a $200 million postseason pool for the players in a postseason that ends no later than Halloween, October 31st. So the question is, how much likelier does this plan make it that there will be an agreement to play baseball this summer? Uh, it doesn't. I read through the responses of maybe 15 different NBA analysts, and they all said, we are no closer to getting Major League Baseball played than we were before Major League Baseball submitted this stupid proposal. This just isn't going to work. Remember the original offer was 82 games, and players would receive... Like a little over, a, a, you know, all of the players come out. We received like a little over a billion dollars in salary. There was the $200 million playoff playoff pool. Um, now their, their, their offer is less games, which is 76 games, and also less money, $989 million in in total a salary given out to the players. No direct draft pick compensation. They even have a, I think there's a 48-game option out there. I haven't read the specifics on this one. There's a 48-game option out there that has no playoff uh, money at all. And I think it's a, a billion dollars in salary. I mean, how much can anybody lose more than Major League Baseball loses? Anyone. Because this organization continues to wrap up else. We talked about the eight-game losing streak that the Sacramento Kings had back in December. Man, this is a this seems to be an eternity losing streak that Major League Baseball is on. I'm at some point one or both entities are going to get desperate and a deal is going to get done. But if you told me we're going to get like a 35 game baseball season, I'd probably believe you at this point. It's June 9th. If this had worked out the way it should have over a month, man, almost a month and a half ago, a month and a half ago, baseball would be being played right now. And Major League Baseball would have the sports landscape all to itself. There wouldn't be, there'd be preseason games. It'd be all this stuff. There'd be, or I don't know that there's preseason games. I think there's scrimmages going on. There'd be those types of things. There'd be the excitement of players getting back to training camp and teams getting back to training camp and all of that stuff. But there wouldn't be another basketball game, a meaningful basketball game until July 30th. 
We're talking nearly two months that baseball has the sports. They, you know, golf is returning here this week. Um, like, okay, that's like a couple of days that you, you know, people, oh, golf is back. Let's let's talk about this. This will be fun. You know, NASCAR does its thing. UFC, Fighter Island is happening. WWE continues to do. But really, of the four major sports, it's just baseball. And they blew it. Again, and Dalvin Cook now, he's putting himself in the conversation with uh, Ezekiel Elliott and Le'Veon Bell. He's also, you know, 24-year-old is putting himself in the you know, conversations with, with, with Todd Gurley and David Johnson and that he's, he's fighting for, you know, he's fighting for a new contract. And while I think Ezekiel Elliott and Le'Veon Bell are, 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 are good examples of, uh, of guys who, who have fought for contracts and have gotten positive outcomes, though I would argue maybe Le'Veon Bell didn't have the most positive outcome last year. He had the ultimate holdout, and I don't think that that went well. But Todd Gurley and David Johnson didn't really work out, and I don't think that's, I, I don't think that's really going to help Dalvin Cook's... Uh, I don't really think that's going to help Dalvin Cook's goal here. He says he's no longer participating in any team-related activities unless he receives what he determines to be a, quote, reasonable deal. Uh, A source told ESPN he's out. Without a reasonable extension, he will not be showing up for camp, and he will not be showing up beyond. Uh, Kirk Cousins, of course, he signed his uh, contract extension this year. He's going to make $30 million. Cook has one year left on his contract at $1.3 million. Dalvin Cook is very important. I think he and I don't, I don't, I don't want to get into this thing. Well, Dalvin Cook isn't worth this or that. I don't know what he's asking for. He used the term reasonable. He didn't ask to be the highest paid to, from what it looks like. I should say it doesn't. He doesn't look like he has to be the highest paid running back in the NFL. Certainly doesn't look like he has to be you know one of the highest paid non quarterbacks in the NFL. He's asking for a reasonable deal, and for a dude, I I like Dalvin Cook a lot. I don't know what a reasonable deal to him is. Obviously, $1.3 million for his position and his role with the Minnesota Vikings is unreasonable. Um, and as a running back, you've got to fight for this money while you can. And I, I get his approach here. I don't know if it's going to work. I hope for the Minnesota Vikings' sake that it works because I think that they need Dalvin Cook. I think they need Dalvin Cook to help make Kirk Cousins great. Or... <laughs> <laughs> to make Kirk Cousins good. Kirk Cousins had a stretch of greatness, though. I don't, I don't want to laugh at him too much. He had a stretch in the regular season. I think he was called out by uh, he was, he was Stephon Diggs. He was called out by a couple of people. Uh, Adam Thielen, and, and suddenly he was like, oh, you want me to throw the ball down the field? Okay, I got you. And they reeled off win after win after win, and he was playing some of the best, ba- uh, playing some of the best football that he has played in years. Uh, as we wrap things up, I, I kind of mentioned this at the, at the beginning, and, and I just want to touch on it. For a second, I saw Carlos Hyde. He had said he had made a remark about how uh, if, you know, if the NFL wants to show us that they're they're really about the players and they're really sorry for li- not listening to us and, and, and they really want to make an effort, then then they need to sign Colin Kaepernick. And you guys know how I feel about Colin Kaepernick. I'm team cap day one, the whole deal. I would love to see Colin Kaepernick in the NFL. I also don't want it to be a publicity stunt. I don't want it to be a hey, let's soothe racial tensions in America by signing Colin Kaepernick. I want Colin Kaepernick to get a chance because he's a good enough quarterback. Now, it's extremely important to point out when we're talking about Colin Kaepernick. It's extremely important to point out when we're talking about any quarterback. 
that there is a former MVP and another quarterback that played in the Super Bowl who's still on, not on team yet, who's 30 freaking years old, and that's Cameron Newton. Cam Newton doesn't have a football team yet. And with the way that the NFL is right now in terms of the difficulty, and I don't know how much of this has changed with you know, kind of states changing their mandates and the, the, the CDC, you know, adjusting guidelines and all of that. Unless a team can evaluate Cam Newton in person, unless a team can evaluate Colin Kaepernick in person, there's a lot of unknowns there. For Kaepernick, he hasn't played in four years. For Cam Newton, he was injured, and teams want their doctors to be able to evaluate him. I got to believe that's the only reason he's not signed. Is because of that. So, you know, why everyone is quick to jump on, hey, Colin Kaepernick could really soothe racial harmony in America. Like, uh, I'm all about it. I love Cap. I'd love to see it. But one, I want it to be genuine. And two, let's not forget that Cam Newton is out there. And I absolutely refuse to believe that Cam Newton's career is over. I refuse to believe that Cam Newton's time as a starting quarterback in the NFL is done. I just do. There's there's no freaking way his career is over. And I think there you get into the, you know, you get into the uncomfortable conversation when you talk about guys like Cam Newton and Colin Kaepernick. It's like, okay, you know, where? Where do you send them? Like where do they go? If Cap if Cap is good enough to be a starter, then great. If he's more suited in in a backup role, like great. I I can't like I just can't wrap my brain around the thought of Cam Newton's career being over. That just seems like absolute insanity to me. If it's over because of his health, all right, that's one thing. But if you're telling me his skills is diminished to such a point that he can't play anymore, I don't believe that. If you're telling me you don't believe that he can adjust his game based off his injuries, I'm not even sure that he needs to adjust them. We've all made the proclamation that at the age of 30, he needs to adjust his game. I just, I, I ain't buying it. I ain't buying it. But maybe it's because I think too highly of Cam Newton and I can't see through my own sports fandom. Appreciate you, as always, for tuning in here today. If you're new to the podcast and you haven't rated us yet on Apple Podcasts, if you hadn't hit that fifth star yet and said, hey, D'Lo, you're the man, uh, please go do that. Uh, you could also leave us a review. It only takes about 60 to 90 seconds, uh, depending on how quickly you type on your phone or your computer. That is awesome. It matters very much in the terms of the algorithm of Apple Podcasts. Uh, If you're on Spotify or Radio.com, I think they have ratings and reviews platforms. I don't know uh, specifically how they work in the same sense that I do that Apple Podcasts. But if you want to leave us a review there, I know Spotify has one. Just hit the five stars. That's all we're asking for. Uh, And we ask you to come back each and every single day. If you want a little extra support, I just mentioned Patreon.com. That is available at Patreon.com slash Damien Barling. Or you can go to DamienBarling.com. Lots of good stuff coming up this week as i mentioned the be conscious episode is going to post later on today i'm going to have a conversation with aaron brewski and we're going to load a sacramento kings podcast tomorrow afternoon so lots of good stuff here uh, on the way of the damian barling media in uh, marketing network and i appreciate all of you for tuning in as always have a great day we'll see you tomorrow on the podcast with damian barling